Have you got some like crazy stories of stuff that you had to deal with? There's this ominous buzzing sound. It was a whole bunch of bees just on the dome. Hey everyone, it's David Bumble back with a very special guest. Shala, tell us about yourself. So I'm Shala. Uh, most people know me on social media as Gifted Lane. I guess my whole start with social media came from me studying for a CCNA, which I felt like I was doing backwards because I didn't try for CCNA until after working as a network engineer for five years and leaving that job. So I did it completely backwards in my mind. But anyways, a lot of people found my CCNA journey interesting and that's where Gifted Lane came from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I, I wanted to ask about your story because that, that's a really very interesting story and amazing. Um, but before we get there, you've got a Twitch stream and you're on Twitter. Is that the best way for people to get hold of you? Yes, it is. So the best way to get a hold of me is definitely on Twitter. Um, any social media platform, Twitter, IG, Twitch, is all gifted lane. And um, if you want to talk to me like directly more so, Twitter is the way to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll put those links below. But now I want to get to get to your story. You posted some a really cool video on Twitter. I don't want to spoil it. Tell us what are you doing all right so in that video with the the ship or whatever yeah i like to tell people i got started into it via a dumpster fire because <laughs> <laughs> i was working as the office admin for about six months at a company it's a big large oil and gas company one day their senior it person decided they were ready to retire and everyone knew that I had a, a degree in computers, which was, you know, computer information systems. And I was always helping people with software issues, their computer doing crazy stuff. And so they're just like, hey, this person's leaving. Do you want to just like take their spot? And I was like, sure, before I even really thought about it, because at that point, I had never worked a professional IT position like at all. And I had never logged onto a server before, <laughs> like super, super green. And they're just like, hey, we'll take this spot. I took that position and little did I know, I ended up being the team lead, lead network engineer, systems, security. And yeah, I think that's all the hats I wore. Um, and I also got to sell on these crude oil tanker ships out in the middle of the ocean because that was the network I managed. So my network devices, like my endpoint devices were on ships out in the middle of nowhere. So, so explain, explain how that works. So, I mean, the, the, these ships are around like all over in the ocean and um, do they just fly you to a ship and say that there's a problem? And then it's like you said, dumpster fire, you just have to sort it out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would happen is, let's say for some reason, a ship, they can't get out to the internet, their IP, like their satellite phones go down, like yeah. it's just not working. If I can't, you know, call the captain and work with him, you know, as him being my eyes and my hands and direct them to fix a problem remotely, or I can't connect to the devices remotely, Wherever that ship was, the company flew me out to there. I got on board, did what I need to do to get the ship back online. And sometimes I would have another ship go down 
And as I'm getting off one ship, another ship's passing by, I hop on that ship and fix their problems. I mean, so 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 stepping back, you had no experience and you were like kind of like pushed into the deep end, like in a major way, yeah? Without getting too much into it, I found myself in this unique position when I accepted to take this new role. Yeah. They were supposed to be merging their IT department into the main company's IT department because they've had a, a an autonomous IT department for a few years because some 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 stuff happened <laughs> where they needed to kind of break away all their shipping operations into okay. yeah. a whole different company to get away from the PR nightmare and they had their own IT team like 2014 2015 this shipping operation company was bringing being brought into its big parent company again yeah. and the IT teams were supposed to merge so when they brought me in, I was supposed to only be there to be like a main point of contact and take care of documentation. And that's kind of really it. But it didn't work that way because it wasn't easy to merge the shipping operation back into the main parent company. So I ended up being a network engineer and systems and security and the audit person and all these different things. My first three months in that job, we had another senior person that had been working with them. And he became my mentor just before he retired because it, it was already known he was going to retire in like three months. So luckily I was able to ask him like a hundred questions every day, write it down in my little notebook. And I started piecing together what networking was basically on the fly. What was your what was your knowledge of like IP addressing, subnetting, routing, all that stuff that you that you know now? <laughs> so I didn't know any of that. Like I knew what an uh, IP address was, as in I've seen it before. Because yeah, like I was the person who ordered lunch and helped people uh, file their expense reports. That was it. And and then you did that big jump into like managing ships out in the ocean. Yes. Wow. Um, so I tell people all the time, like those first three months, I was so scared and nervous I and I needed hugs every day because I was like, oh my God, the network's going to fail in a major way and it's going to be the end of the world and no one will hire me again, but it worked out. <laughs> so, so tell us some of your stories. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine, I've never done support on a ship like that. So it's like a crude oil tanker or something, yeah? What kind of equipment did they, do they have? And like, um, have you got some like crazy stories of stuff that you had to deal with? Yeah, the first one that comes to mind that's crazy is a ship came into port and they're like, hey, Shala, like our, um, our network is down, whatever. And so I meet them at the port where they are and I go to get on board. And the first engineer and the captains walk me over to where the problem is. And the ships, they had satellites. So they had like yeah. satellite domes on either side of the ship. So they walk me over to one of the baby domes. And as you're walking up closer to it, there's this ominous buzzing sound. Yeah. It was a whole bunch of bees just on the dome. Um, apparently the queen landed on it or something is the theory and all the bees followed. And I don't know for anyone who's ever watched My Girl um, growing up, I still remember the scene with, uh, was that Macaulay Culkin and like the bees. So I instantly was just like, oh no, this is not for the network engineer. This is animal control. 
So we had to find a local beekeeper to come and get the bees because he needed them for honey anyway. So he came, got the bees, and their internet connection came back up. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, so how do you how do you manage failures and stuff? So like if you're on board in the middle of the ocean and I mean, surely stuff goes like servers break or network devices break. What do you do? So sometimes I could be on the ship for two weeks at a time selling with the crew yeah. and, you know, the network goes down or the internet is spotty. And for a lot of them, you know, they're out to sea anywhere from 60 to 90 days to 100 plus days, yeah. sometimes a full year. And, you know, having internet connection, that's how they talk to their families and yeah. it's very important for them. Yeah. So yeah, while I'm on the ship, you know, selling with them, something goes down. That's when my soft skills come into play because sometimes it was something I couldn't fix. One particular route I would ride on, which was between, um, it would be from California all the way up to one of the highest snowy parts in Alaska. During a certain part, you're, you have mountains on both sides. Yeah. And yeah. so the signal just sucks and there's nothing you can do about it. And so it's just me having soft skills and explaining to them, hey, you know, I'm on here with you. I can't talk to my boyfriend or my parents right now. I feel you, but once we get past this, you know, we'll be able to sh uh, get connection. And I would show them where, look, see, we're in this little gap of the footprint coverage. We're not going to get coverage right here. So that was like soft skills. Then there was things where sometimes emails would come in at a trickle and there wouldn't be like a direct something pointing to, okay, why is this happening? And so you had the captain like kind of in your ear, like, hey, our internet's not working. Yeah. Like I can't get email out. And they need to get email out before they can go into a port of call because you can't just pull up there even if you're scheduled. They have to make sure no pirates took over or any kind of crazy things happen. So you can't just pull in there even though you're on the schedule. So I would have to just keep them calm. Again, that's my um, soft skills where I make sure not to get overwhelmed because yeah. if I'm overwhelmed and freaking out, that's just throwing fuel on the fire. So I stay calm, I do my checks, and with those ships, I knew them so well. Like, you know, the back of my head, I'm just like, okay, why is email tricking? So I'll start going into like the email server. Let me make sure there's no um, email, like large emails clogging up something. Sometimes that would be the case. It really just be going literally through the OSI model, which I didn't even know that existed at the time. <laughs> that's what I was doing. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's amazing. You did, like you say, back to front, if you like. So you did all the experience and then you got your CCNA. So, I mean, I want let's talk about that quickly. I want to actually get back to the infrastructure and the ship. But how did you find after doing all that experience in the field? Like, it was five years. Is that right? How long you were on the ships? So five years on the ships and then you decided to do your CCNA. Was there any reflection on the real world in what you learned? And did it help you, you know? It was. My first reflection was, so <laughs> I didn't even know CCNA was a thing until yeah. I decided to, uh, it was time for me to move on from that job. If I had known about the CCNA while I was taking this job and I like did a course or something like that, man, I would have been so dangerous instead of, you know, <laughs> it was me just like piecing stuff together and just kind of figuring it out. But yeah, basically once I looped back around to CCNA, it was putting the actual terminology and theory to it. And so I'm just like, oh, okay. Like I remember the first time setting up uh, desktops to work on the ship, you know, the 
my mentor, he walked me through like setting up the subnet and the default gateway and stuff like that. And by like the third computer I pieced together, oh wait, okay, the default gateway, this is the IP address of the router. And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay, so this is like the, the gatekeeper, you know? So that's that was my terminology back then because I didn't have any formal training, so. And then I, I think I also had to learn on the fly, like uh, like setting up the default DNS and all these kind of things. And I just would piece things together. And that's how I started piecing together the whole network chain. I was like, wait a minute, okay. And then I learned VLANs on the fly. When I was taking CCNA, I better understood what I had been doing all those years, which was basically you know creating separate networks on one physical device. I didn't really look at it that way when I was doing that job. I just know I had these different VLANs that talked to different things and had different traffic on it. <laughs> so you, you, your so your training was like three months of fire. Is that right? Yeah, uh, three months of a dumpster fire. Yes, it was like baptism by fire. That's what it was. After those three months, you know, I got comfortable in the position. The ships used to go down like several times every day. That was normal. By like six months into that role, I had it to where working with, you know, my mentor and figuring out things, the ship started going down only like once a year instead of multiple times a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, you know, got to pat myself on the back for that one. I had to optimize their connections. Once I started piecing everything together, I was just like, well, you know what? They keep losing connection because of this and because of that. And I started becoming the person going into the boardroom meeting saying, hey, we need this kind of equipment so we can fix this issue and this is at end of life so let's do this different and yeah yeah by six months i i felt very like secure in what i was doing the crazy part is is at that point all pretty much all the way up until the point that i kind of decided it was time for me to move around um which honestly i would still be doing that job but the the ships got sold and yeah. so that job went away but uh it wasn't up until like it was time for me to look for something else that I paid attention to the fact that I was like, you know what? All this time I've been working as a network engineer because I had to like create brand new networks for our existing network and do all the subnetting, do all the diagramming. And I was also, you know, I guess you would say the network admin because I was the one yeah. monitoring it every day. You know, the moment a ship went down, I'm sitting there going, okay, where are they located at? Are they outside the footprint or is this a problem that I need to address? So, I mean, that's amazing. So, how, so give me some idea of infrastructure. And I mean, how many ships did you have? Like what kind of equipment did they did they run? And They had a bunch of bunch of ships, but they started kind of uh, dwindling them down. I think when I came on, we had we still had at least like 25 of them at the time. And so, yeah, it was 25 different ships, some newer, some older which meant some of the equipment was newer, some of it was older. One of the things we did to help optimize the ships was, I, th I, I understood the logic, but as big as this company was, on some of the ships we had things like Netgear. <laughs> and I was like, what is Netgear doing here? But I understood it because if a captain, so first off, I was also for all five of those years, I was, 24 7 365 on call oh, wow. so anytime a captain called me or engineer or whatever you know i wake up in the middle of the night and i have to try to troubleshoot with them so 
the logic behind using net gear was sometimes, you know, you needed the captain or an engineer to be your eyes. Netgear is easy to walk a person through versus Cisco. Cisco, yeah. you might need putty or something to really go look into it. But after a while, we went ahead and we got rid of the Netgear stuff. We went all like Cisco. We did some HP uh, Blade servers. It was what Power Edge at the time. It was like this new virtualization server that I had to learn. And I have pictures. I could share them with you because I had to. That'd be great. Yeah, I had to install this brand new Dell, it was Dell, Power Edge server that I had never worked with before. But once I got it connected, it was talking back to the data center back in, uh, back on land. It was great because I was actually way out in Asia on that particular journey by myself, <laughs> setting up brand new networking equipment for that ship. But yeah, every ship, they had their own rack. Um, you had like a comm server, an AD server, an email server, you had routers, you had firewalls, and then you had all the satellite connections. Now that's the part where I feel like I'm a bit more specialized For when sure. it comes yeah. to networking. Yeah, because I had to work with satellite and that was like a whole different ball game. And it taught me how to work with vendors too. So a lot of times I'd have to get with the vendors. Oh, another crazy story roping back to uh, CCNA and going through that study journey, I better understood a situation where on one of the ships, one of our brand new installed satellites would not work. Yeah. And finally, we were just like, okay, let's go check the hardline connection, went up into the ceiling and realized the people who installed that new satellite, they had so much cable coiled up in the ceiling and so we cut it down to the proper length and that's when we got the proper uh, signal connection. And so I learned that firsthand where it's just like, yeah, too much cable is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to support sites that are static fiber or some kind of internet connection. And um, if something goes wrong, you just phone the service provider and you try and troubleshoot it. But like yours was a whole new level of pain because you had these like, floating um, networks. I mean, you said they were in Asia and all over the place. So, I mean, it must have been an absolute nightmare to deal with in not just pure networking, but all the rest of it. That, there's also the issue where, like I said, being on call 24 seven, you know, I'm my local time, whatever it is, and wherever they're at, it's whatever time it is. So it's like learning time zones. Um, there's also with, you know, the folks on the ships, there's, they're super, 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 super highly, highly educated, but not everyone has the same technical experience when it comes to the computer piece. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is also dealing with that. There is also language barriers because we had some of everyone working. So sometimes, you know, we can't understand each other's accents and things like that. So yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's it. You know, it's cultural. It's um, language. It's um, time zones. It's the fact that your stuff is is floating around the ocean. Um, it's not just in one static place. You're dealing with satellite connections. What what kind of speeds are do are the uplinks that that you had in those days when you were doing this? Oh, I can't remember exactly anymore. I've stopped thinking about it because at one time <laughs> that was my life. That was my life. We paid a lot of good money where uh, when they're in the footprint, oh, it was like they were on shore. 
with, you know, like great fiber connections, which we did have like some fiber stuff running through the ship because I actually got to learn to work with running fiber cable and using the, the little light and all that kind of stuff to uh, terminate it and stuff uh, on the ships. That part was cool. So you were actually, so you were terminating your own cables and stuff. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to we actually hire people to do that. But just me being me, I'm like, I want to learn how to like run this. It looks cool. And the vendors we work with, which I still, you know, talk to some of them now, they were cool enough to be like, yeah, come up here with us and we'll teach you, you know, what we're doing. And so that part was really cool. So, I mean, you did everything like, I mean, I mean, when you're on on board, there's, it was you, yourself and yourself to sort out all the problems, physical, either the satellite, everything. Yeah, that was like in the spirit of the ship, because it was the same for the crew. If the ship has some kind of mechanical issue, you know, it's on them where they have full blown metal workshops and wood shops and all these things on board where if something broke on the engine, that's why you have engineers who are skilled at making things where they go fabricate what they need, get the ship back running again. Because yeah. you can't just call, you know, I don't know about like where you are or anyone watching, but you can't call AAA and say, hey, you know, our <laughs> ship is broke, you know, come save us. Like you have to be able to fix that on your own. So it's the same for me with the network. Like I don't have a lifeline and I need to get them back up. So. So what kind of, I mean, you said you, said you had Netgear. So um, why did you decide to replace it with Cisco? Is it just that naturally seemed better? or Because you hadn't even done CCNA at that time. Did you, is it just based on your research and stuff? How did you come to that conclusion? I think something in my bones was just like, I remember the first time I saw Netgear and I was just like, wait, do companies use Netgear? Like, this is what I use at my house, you know? And then just kind of looking at it, I'm just like, I'm pretty sure we're supposed to be using like Cisco or something like (laughs) and so um, just doing like a whole bunch of research reading on the different uh, devices they had when it came especially when it came to like switches and routers and firewalls as well as talking to other networking individuals that worked at the organizations like actual IT stuff and my mentor you know I was able to sit there and be like hey we need to get this like running Cisco and stuff like that. These Netgears probably aren't doing it. And then there were some equipment when I would go on board the ships because some of these ships, you know, they've been in the service since, you know, the 70s and before. And I I remember there was some like servers and stuff where I literally took like a Dirt Devil hand vac to suck out all the dust. Wow. So it was things like that too. And these, and don't get me wrong, these were like the absolute cleanest ships that I've ever sold on which is why me personally I couldn't see myself doing this type of job for another shipping company because they spoiled me um it it was like the the ships were immaculate I'm talking about the first time one of the first times I sailed on one I had uh jerked lamb stew for dinner like you have actual chefs on board cooking and stuff like that your rooms are like hotel rooms Um, with your own bathroom in it and stuff like that so oh one thing I had to work through too was keeping everyone calm because you had the senior IT person that they had been dealing with for years yeah and then you had me (laughs) who's you know female (laughs) I don't look my age I don't sound my age and so I had to keep everybody calm because it was just like oh man you guys like sit this kid out here to fix this stuff but within like 
the first couple of trips out, it got around all the ships, and it's just like, no, she's good. She knows what she's doing, and so it was just always love after that. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, the fact that you were able to do that in three months is a real, you know, testament for you, like really going for it because. That's not easy to do. Even, you know, people ask, how long does it take to get CCNA? And like a lot of the times you'd say three months, but you were like doing, like you said, dumpster fire CCNA without the books and everything in real world. I don't, I don't recommend it. Um, not that it was bad <laughs> or anything. It's just, I, I would never recommend that. Um, one thing to keep in mind, there was a ton of days, there was a like total lack of sleep. Um, I always had like this this knot like in the pit of my gut every day because I was just like so on edge of messing up and I didn't want to. So lack of sleep, uh, being nervous all the time because I was always trying to go over my notes from the day and just trying to think of like everything I needed to manage and just trying to like keep it working. So I highly would not recommend it, but it was definitely, it grew me up as a person and it grew me up professionally. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sometimes, you know, in the hardest times you learn the most, it's, it's terrible when you're in that place, but it, you know, when you look back, it's amazing how much you've learned. Yeah. It's, it showed me my strength. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you survived that. I mean, that's that's tough on boats and ships and, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Um, you, you've often spoken about imposter syndrome and you kind of spoke about that a little bit now. Can you talk about like what that was like for you and how you managed to like overcome that? Yeah, uh, the best way I overcame that was the ships were running. Like they weren't dropping connection yeah. multiple times a day. It was going to once a year. So I was like, I know what I'm doing, like I'm doing good work. Um, Oftentimes when I'm in a boardroom, I'm looking around the boardroom and I'm the only female there. (laughs) I'm the only black person there and they're listening to me give them like, you know, what they need to do, you know? And I'm in the room with like these real powerful, you know, guys and they're hanging off my every word because I'm the one that's getting it done and successfully so that helped me a lot and it was just things where they were constantly always telling me like you know well we picked you because we knew you could do it like we had faith in you and the way they treated me and talked to me it was always you know them letting me know that they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself after a while like I just stopped feeling like an imposter because I had to stop and look around I'm like you're actually doing these things. Like there's no imposter to it. No. You're coming in every day, fixing these problems. So no one else is doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think very, very few people would volunteer to do that kind of work where you like don't sleep. I mean, that's, that's tough. I saw a lot of people asking you this on Twitter. How do you get a job on these kind of ships in, in that kind of environment? Do you have any advice or ways to look at that? I mean, your your journey is kind of unique, but it's uh, any advice for someone? You would have to find like a shipping company and see if they are hiring like someone for IT who's like riding the ships, fixing things. There's like schools for that, like maritime schools. And there may be where we go to like a maritime school, see what kind of curriculums they have. They may have like a IT type track where you actually go through the, the, the formal training to like sell on ships because I didn't do any of that. You know, the people I was selling with, they did like these 
like four year degree plans, you know, learning how to sell on a ship and do their their jobs and stuff like that. So try maritime schools, oil and gas companies that have their own ships, because another avenue you could go in where maybe you're the IT person who flies out to the oil rigs and fixes their problems. That would be cool, too. That one, you actually would have to uh, do things like get certified to fly in a helicopter. And if the helicopter crash, can you save yourself type situation? So that one would also be cool, too. So I've got two young daughters. Um, one's 10, one's 15. If they if they were thinking of getting into IT, what would you advise? I would say the best thing, and I think this helps me a lot, is be a lifelong learner. Yeah. So be someone who's, you know, hungry to learn, who has curiosity. Also be open-minded. You know, um, I think what really helped me with my mentor, you know, teaching me so much, which did a lot to make me successful is, and I'll still make him laugh to this day when I say this, I'll go, hey, you know, I don't care if you have a way you want to show me how to tie my shoes. Of course, I've been tying my shoes for years, but you may show me a way to tie my shoes that I don't know. And it might work better than my way. So I I never cut a person off when they're trying to tell me something. Um, Even if I feel like they're like mansplaining something to me, I'll let them finish because I might get a gym out of it, you know? So definitely go in there with like an open mind, uh, check your ego at the door, check your your emotions at the door. Um, that was very important because I feel like in IT, it's definitely easy to feel like if you're getting personally attacked when like something breaks, you know, and someone's like fussing about it. And it's just like, it's, it's business. You got to check your emotions at the door. And remember, you're here to work and get it done. And, and don't be scared. I pretty much just jumped into the deep end. That's what I did. Uh, So it's like, don't be afraid. I hear women come up to me all the time and they're like, oh man, I'm going to apply for this IT role as soon as I finish with my degree. And I'm like, why? Why are you waiting? Exactly. And like, I know a ton of people, you know, in higher roles than me, no degree, you know? So I'm like, don't, don't wait. Unless that's what you want to do, that's fine. But don't let that be your reason. People forget that everyone has got something to learn and everyone's got something to contribute. Yeah, I think a lot of us struggle with imposter syndrome. It doesn't matter how long we've been doing it for. And you've just got to believe in yourself. I mean, look what you did. I mean, what a story. Three months of craziness. And within six months, you had solved. You were saying that chips were going down once a day and then you got it down to like once a year. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, when it would go down like once a year, we're just like, wait, is it actually down? And, you know, I'll sit there looking at the monitoring system for a bit to make sure like, huh, nope, it's actually down. Well, that's weird, you know, and then I go to work. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about like, what are you doing now? Because I see that you you did you did like network engineering, um, networking type thing for, for five years. Then you got your CCNA and you've been doing networking, but you, you're changing direction again. Is that right? Yeah. So I'm changing networking from networking into uh, cloud. And that's something I talk about with people too, because when I decided it was time for me to find another role, I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep doing networking because I mean, I did them on the ships and I was used to not sitting in the office every day. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to function being a network 
engineered like in a more kind of like uh, i guess stable setting and without yeah. everything on fire all the time type of thing <laughs> <laughs> so i i actually went ahead and i worked out in california for a while and um then i moved back to my hometown and i've been doing desktop support because i was trying to figure out well what is that next thing i want to do and i finally figured it out which is cloud so now i'm going down the the journey of aws and um doing that whole thing and i'm i'm loving aws a lot but i'm using a lot of my networking experience in aws so i feel like it's like a evolution of the skills i already have so I wanted to talk about that because a lot of network engineers or younger people who are starting out saying, would you recommend doing networking? So the, the, it's kind of like this idea. They say that cloud is going to destroy networking. There won't be any networking jobs. Cloud is going to take over. Is What do you say to that? Is that true? Or you kind of like said networking is helping you. So here's my thing is yeah. let's say everything goes to the cloud. That's fine, but you still need networking. Yeah. You know, like it's not going to just work. You still have to do the networking piece of it. And so far, what I've been learning more and more is anything I'm doing in cloud, I refer back to my networking knowledge like a lot. And I have buddies that work in cloud, have never done networking, and they're like SREs, like they're really big into the cloud space, never done networking. And they're constantly telling me, oh man, Shala, like, when you get full, full into cloud, you're going to be amazing and kill it because you have networking. And I think it just depends on what the person wants to do. Like for me, routing and switching will always be my heart because that's what I got dumped into. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just ready to do something else because I also love to code. So I love working with APIs, uh, working with YAML, JSON, Python. And cloud takes care of all of that. So it's really for me, cloud is letting me merge my love of networking with my love of coding. And so that's how I, I ended up there. But I don't see networking going away. Like if you want to do network engineering, I say go for it. It's, it's still in demand now. How did you make that that move from networking to to cloud? Did you buy any courses? Are there any books? Like if you, based on your sort of journey, what, what advice would you give someone if they were st like starting to get into cloud today? Yeah, um, I laugh because actually what really helped me make that move and even figure that out is uh, within that five year period of me working as a network engineer and stuff like that, I checked off some really big life goals like really quickly. Like, you know, getting that job, uh, making a certain amount, um, getting married. I built a house from scratch. Like I literally sketched a house plan on a napkin and did all the research I needed to do to actually, that's where I'm at now Congrats. and built it. Congrats, congrats. <laughs> because I, I didn't want to pay what people were charging. So I was just like, man, let me figure this out. Like, I don't want to pay what y'all are trying to give me to pay. So I'll just build it myself. And then after I did all those things, I found myself kind of detached and depressed because I didn't have anything else on my list to do. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to do network engineering or find my way onto a networking team anymore. So I got depressed. But anyways, I, through the company where I work now, they provide free um, therapy. <laughs> so I did cognitive behavioral therapy for three months and basically that helped me figure out that my main driver in life is curiosity 
Yeah. If I'm not feeding my curiosity, I'm going to get depressed. So after I started feeding my curiosity, which was DevNet from Cisco, I was like, oh man, working with APIs, doing some coding stuff and using my networking experience, whatever, that was great. But then it was introducing me to like the CI, CD pipeline and cloud technologies and stuff like that. And that's when I was like, man, I'm having fun with this cloud part of DevNet. Yeah. And so then I was like, let me finally check out AWS. And I have people that I'm good friends with that are messing with me now because I probably should have started working on cloud like the moment I decided to uh, leave my networking job. And so they're laughing at me now. They're like, oh, finally, AWS. Huh? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it took me <laughs> the long way around to get here. And now I'm loving it. So it, it feeds my curiosity. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you like challenges. I mean, looking after 20 ships or whatever it was, I can't remember the exact figure. That That's challenging. Wow. So well, what I, I wanted to ask, just get to that point. What resources do you use books, stuff like that. What, is there any courses that you found really valuable? Just in your opinion, what have you found really valuable to help you make that move from pure networking engineer to cloud engineer? Um, I would say for me, it was definitely DevNet is what led me there. Yeah, uh, DevNet is a good place. But as far as like getting deep diving into AWS, uh, there is... Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce the name right, but there's Adrian Cantrell. Yeah, Cantrell. Yeah, yeah. He has an AWS course, and that's kind of been the videos I've been watching. But there's also, a, what's that, a cloud guru. Yeah. yeah. Definitely good stuff. IT Pro TV, I'm watching their videos. Um, and then I also have, like, there's Cloud Bart. Like, actually, I started like following Cloud Bart and kind of joining his study sessions for cloud and AWS back during my CCNA study days. And he kind of helped like lead me down that track too way back then. CBT Nuggets. So yeah. Cloud Bart, yeah. yeah. So he's great. But I do find myself for the first time ever reading like official documentation. Like AWS's documentation, I actually read that and I enjoy it. How much of a ramp did you find it from going from networking to to cloud i mean is it like a huge paradigm shift you know was it like a massive relearning curve for you or was it like kind of a natural progression for me it was more of a natural regression i would say if i think about like my fellow network engineers there could definitely be a shift where there's yeah. going to be a learning curve but i happen to be someone where since like 2003, 2004, I've been someone who's been a coder and built um, websites and stuff like that. So for me, it just kind of made sense because I used to work with uh, content management systems and build full-blown web applications and websites all the way since 2004. So it just wasn't a whole lot of ramp up for me personally because of that. Were you doing that after you after the ships? Is that right? Yeah, no, no. I've been so like with coding and all that kind of stuff. I've always done that ever since high school. Okay. Yeah, it's something I all always do like on the side. Um, so like any of my websites and stuff like that, that's something that I've built. Um, I've oh, <laughs> one thing I've built. Uh, I haven't checked it in a while, but one of my favorite websites that I I built and revamped was the Girl Scouts uh, Gold Award. Oh wow. oh wow! Yeah, so I actually did that. <laughs> I need I need to ask you about this because you did this cloud resume challenge, and I I was when I was 
getting ready for this interview. I read a bit about that. And I see there was an example of a plumber who was covered in, we, we don't know what, but let's leave it at that. He was covered in something and then he, <laughs> he became a cloud engineer. So can you explain a little bit about that and you know how it's helping you? If you're looking to get into cloud and you're not sure about it, check out the cloud resume challenge. That will help you decide really quickly if you really want to get into cloud or not. And it will also force you to learn it. So even if you don't know where to start or how to get started, do the cloud resume challenge. Um, it's gonna walk you through so much stuff that you need to learn, like uh, creating a website using HTML and CSS, and then setting up a custom domain, working with DNS, creating S3 buckets, which was cool because I've always heard about S3 buckets, but I've never worked with them. But now I know how to work with them, add permissions. Um, my cloud resume challenge is hosted through an S3 bucket. Oh, I know how to set up like budgets and billing alerts, which I got my first billing alert after doing that cloud challenge. So that way, if I have costs incurring close to like $10, it'll send me a message and say, hey, you're about to get charged, you know, at least $10. So you might want to take a look at this. Oh, the part that um, I'm really excited about is creating a back end working with DynamoDB. So basically, I'm going to set it up to where in GitHub, all my site code is going to be there as well as the backend code for like APIs and stuff. And so when I go into GitHub and I make any changes on there or new commits, it's going to automatically use a CICD pipeline to update my cloud resume. So uh, website. So that part's really awesome. When I, when I listen to you, you, you have so much knowledge. Are you looking for a job or are you happily employed? Because I, I'm, we need to we need to we need to put it out there. So I am I am happily employed. Uh, I can't complain about where I work at. Um, but you know I'm always open. You know I don't close the door. <laughs> but you, are you do, are you doing cloud work at the moment, or is that somewhere that's for the is, is that something you're working towards? So what I'm hoping to do is to rack up all this cloud knowledge, get good with it. Um, you know I'm letting my my people at work know that hey I want to work in cloud. You know and I have something to show for it, so it's not just like oh just put me on the cloud team. It's like no 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 like I've been doing my work learning this. You know so ideally. You know, I want to start working in cloud, you know, like next year. <laughs> I mean, it, it's always good to have that goal. So, I mean, so we know that like you, you, you're currently doing networking, but you're going to, you, you hope in 2022 to do cloud, yeah? So right now I'm like currently doing desktop support. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you, you need to go do cloud. Wow. It's, it's, you, you, you know, what's amazing is, is the stories. A lot of people who start out feel like they often ask me, David, what do I need to do to be successful? And I think you've just shown us that life is a journey and you're not going to just do one thing. You might do many things over the course of a career. And I mean, you've gone from ships and you do dev, you do cloud, you do desktop support is like a whole range of skills. But it, it, all those skills help each other, don't they? They're, they're complementary to one another. They do. And that's something I've, uh, I I want to talk about more with people because these are conversations I've had with people close to me that are in tech. Yeah. And when I first told them, you know, I was taking a desktop support position, they're just like, aren't you going backwards? And I was like, yes. it depends. It depends. You know, I was like, for me, I didn't see it in a step back because my money was still where I wanted it to be. But it gave me work-life balance so I can go get my CCNA so I can actually study for that. 
It gave me um, work-life balance so I can actually figure out what I wanted to do next, which, you know, turned out to be AWS. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to say that, but I think some people would, would assume that, you know, going from network engineer doing the, I was going to say insane, but I won't say that. I'll say like interesting things you were doing on ships and like now you're doing desktop support. Some people would see that as counterintuitive. Right. And then it's just like other things too. I'm like, you know, it's, it's about focusing on what you as the person need it. Because if I hadn't have taken this desktop support position and let's say I found some other networking gig, I'm not sure Gifted Lane would even exist. I don't know because it could have been one of those things where if I had got hired on without like a CCNA, I would have just kept not going for a CCNA. And so that wouldn't have sparked me sharing what I was learning, which created Gifted Lane. So yeah, sometimes I feel like things come at me um, from like, I don't know, a higher power or yeah. something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing how life works like that. So I got to ask you the the, the, the the difficult questions now. If you were starting today, like if you were talking to your younger self, what would you advise yourself to do like in today's environment? Because the world changes every day. Man, um, the first thing that comes to my mind, uh, I went to college, I got a computer information systems degree. That was because of my parents. I didn't want to go to school, but you know, that's the plan they had for me, so I did it. It, it helped, but in today's climate, if I went back and told your, younger me, I would say, go to like a trade school, you know? Um, you wanna be a network engineer. You don't know that yet, because you don't know the title of it, but I've always known I wanted to be the person when the internet breaks, call me to fix it. I knew that back in high school. I just wow. didn't know how to get there. And so I'd be like, yo, go focus on a trade school or certification, whether it's self-study or whatever, you know, get that knowledge. And even if I have to intern somewhere and, you know, maybe not get paid, you know, that's what I would do to get my foot in the door. You know I mean? And for AWS, do you need a do you need a degree, or can you get into the you know get jobs with just certs and stuff? I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, but I think you could just get in the door without a degree, just because so far, like I said, I just got my CCNA in 2020, so that obviously did not stop me from getting any kind of position no. that I've wanted. I've never been denied a job position in tech because I didn't have a certification. Um, the only caveat is, yes, I do have a bachelor's for computer information systems, but I've actually never had one job interview where I've gotten hired even questioned about that. They didn't care. <laughs> I think, I mean, I mean, I, as an employer, if I was employing someone and you told me your stories of the ships, it would like, okay, forget it, you hired. Because to deal with all that kind of stuff and make it work. And the story, I mean, for me, like, I think from a business point of view, you've got to always look at the, the business. It, it, you took a problem where the ships were going offline once a day or multiple times or whatever, and then you took it to like once a year. That is a huge, huge success story. And it's those kind of stories are much more valuable than someone who's just got a piece of paper. And I don't want to, you know, discount like certs and stuff like that, but, you know, real world knowledge in, in such a tough environment is that that that's invaluable, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I always start off with, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask because I feel like my situation is one of those, like, 
you know, there is a lot of luck involved, you know, where this VP, this vice president decided to put me in this position. And because of that, yeah, anytime I go to get another job, my experience from that alone is usually what gets me in the door. They don't even ask, like, do you have any certifications? And if they do, you know, at one time I was like, no, you know, like I didn't learn about the CCNA until I interviewed for uh, a job, which is a uh, not the job I have now, but the job I had before now. Um, I was like, CCNA, I was like, I don't even know what that is. And like, but you worked as a network engineer for like five years. I was like, oh, Cisco has certifications. I just know they have the switches I use. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, five years or even like like you, when you, you, you said it, in six months, you managed to do so much. That is so valuable to a business. And um, I always think it's attitude. If you meet someone who's willing to learn and hungry to learn. That part. Yeah. And so that's always my biggest advice because that's my journey. Not to say that that's everyone's journey because, you know, you might need a certificate. um, You might need that degree. It's just my story is my story. And for me, it's been me being someone who's always came out of a, uh, you know, end of year review as being, you know, a positive person. Like I always get that feedback. So I'm someone who's positive, I'm someone who's open. I'm a sponge for knowledge. I'm always ready to learn. And people pick up on that. And I'll never forget people constantly tell me, you know, the way my attitude and my personality is, it makes people want to help me. Exactly. And that's how I get here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, attitude is is so important. Before we wrap up, do you have any advice or any you know tips for someone how they can you know not make the same mistakes we've all made mistakes but like what lessons have you learned my biggest lesson learned during those five years and just in life and period if you are someone who's going to be open to ask questions so you can actually learn what you're doing write it down Um, And make sure if you're writing it in a notebook, do it in a way where you can quickly search that notebook. Me personally, I still have my paper notebooks, but I have all that where I put it into a OneNote. And so that way I can quickly search that OneNote because my biggest advice, if you're going to take time to answer, I mean, ask a question and someone's going to take time to answer it document it so you can quickly find it and you're not re-asking the same question. And I've had a lot of people tell me that's what they appreciate about me. And that's just something I do because once I get the question answered, the next time it comes up, I want to fix it right away. I don't want to have to go ask again. Um, And people appreciate that because it shows you that you're listening. And also doing that led me to with my mentor being my mentor because he noticed I would take notes, I can quickly retrieve it. And instead of me asking questions at a certain point, it turned into us having discussions where he was just talking to another fellow network engineer in training. And I, we would just like have a discussion instead of me asking questions. And that helped a lot. And you, you've mentioned your mentor a few times. How did you find the mentor? Was that just like part of the job? So like I said, he had been working with the company for however many years uh, doing network engineering. And when I took on that role, he was gonna retire in three months. So basically I was just like, hey, you know, and I just asked him as much as I could, 
you know, and documented it because I knew in three months he was not going to be there. Yeah. Or, you know, he would be like a phone call away, but he wouldn't just be readily there. So, yeah. And I would say advice for finding a mentor. Usually it's on your team. Hopefully you're working on the team you want to work on. Find someone who's knowledgeable um, that you have a, you can build a good rapport with. They'll become your mentor. In my case, let's say, for example, I want to, you know, start working in cloud. Okay, well, there's people that I know on our cloud team so that I have, like, you know, a good rapport with. So I'll start asking them, like, cloud questions. They become your mentor. Yeah. Stuff like that. So it's not, it's not like it has to be something formal. It can just be, like, it happens because you're asking them questions and, and they kind of guide you. Correct, because... My experience for me has always been, fortunately, because I know this isn't the case for everyone, but fortunately for me, my experience has always been when I'm asking someone a question about what they do in the tech space, they love to share that information. Yeah. Yeah. Spend time with people that are going to help you and who yeah. you have, have, you know, who are willing to share. Shayla, I would re really want to thank you for, you know, sharing your story. It's an amazing story. And I think it's an inspiration for many, many people. It's it's amazing how you went from an office position to networking and you were supporting ships out at ocean with like no experience. So one, one more thing I need to ask you. In that lesson, or what's the lesson to learn there? Is it like you you just have to grab stuff, the bull by the horns type thing? Would you, would you do that again, I suppose, is, is, is a kind of a question. Oh, man, I asked myself that and I would have to say yes, because let's say if someone comes to me with some like kind of cloud position, I feel like I'm underqualified for it, but they're like, we see something in you and we're going to give it to you anyway. I'm going for it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that whole thing, you know, you don't want to end up in a job and make a fool of yourself. If they see the potential in you and they're willing to take a bet on you, then you should be willing to take a bet on yourself. Exactly. And so I can I can easily say if I would do that again, absolutely. Because I'm willing to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> and have no life. <laughs> Beyond full I'm like, ah, jumping into the pool again, let's go. <laughs> Shella, I really want to thank you for your time and uh, thanks for sharing. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Like I said, I'm a I'm a huge fan, so I'm actually on the inside. I'm geeking out very much. <laughs> oh no, I appreciate it. Um, just for everyone's benefit, I've put all the links below: Shayla's Twitter, uh, Twitch, and so forth. Please connect um, if you've got questions about her experience. If you, you want to get more information, then please contact her on uh, on Twitter. I hope that's okay. Yes, 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 yes. People contact me on Twitter all the time. That's that's what it's there for. Otherwise, I shouldn't be on there. Like, why even be on there? So everyone, please put your questions below if you've got any or contact Shayla on uh, Twitter. Thanks so much. I want to wish you all the best. <laughs>